Blessed you, God, and I, our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us with his commandments and has commanded us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Please, God, and I, our God, sweeten the words of your Torah in our mouth and in the mouth of your people, the family of Israel. May we and our offspring and the offspring of your people, the house of Israel, all of us, know your name and study your Torah for its own sake. Blessed you, Adonai, who teaches Torah to his people Israel. Blessed you, Adonai, our God, King of the universe, who selected us from all the peoples and gave us his Torah. Blessed you, Adonai, giver of the Torah. Amen. Amen. Well, it is uh, amazing to me that so many men are just having difficulty dealing with life in general at this time, and I praise God for you guys. So uh, we'll go through this, and I'll get you out of here. Um, but I, uh, as a uh, as a result of Jonathan and uh, Greg's coercing here, in general, I'm uh, I'm actually reading the uh, Talmud, uh, and I am up to speed. I am right on track, and I found out that uh, I cast aspersions on the art scroll Talmud thing because I thought. How is it that such a great utility here, first of all, it doesn't work with a hoop when I want to look at the notes, and second, doesn't tell you what day we're on, what, you know, what are you supposed to be up to? It does. It does tell you what you're supposed to be up to, number one, and number two, they came out with an update, and it works like a champ now. Yeah, the notes thing, I, I haven't figured out how to, to tell you what, where you're supposed to be, and you show me that. But the notes thing's working again. The notes thing's working now. I mean, I, I'm, I set it for the bottom, yep. close the bottom, and... You know, I want to read, and I oh, well, I'll read that. Boop! And it's a pop-up again. And I was like, wait a minute, I said it for the bottom, you know? And they fixed that. Right. But where to be? I got it now. Okay. Moving forward, back and forth. Because yeah, we're on we got 13 or 14. We finished 13, 13 today. today. 14 okay. is tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. So I did 13 A and B. Yeah, it's not like we're on 13 today and tomorrow we'll be on 13 B. It doesn't work like that. Right. I found that out on like Just 7 or something. Yeah, that doesn't work. Okay. So anyway, uh, as a result of reading the Talmud, um, I came across uh, this whole big question in the beginning here is about the Shema, and when we do it, and when we don't do it, and when it's too late, and when it's too early, and all that, and I, <laughs> just go read and have a great time. Um, but one of the things that uh, came up was uh, this question about what should be your posture when you are saying the Shema. I mean, Shammai was saying, the house of Shammai was saying, you say the Shema? Well, what does the, what does the word say? When you lie down, when you rise up. So, if you say in the morning, you can be lying down, you know, or the bedtime, whichever one it is. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta lie down and do that. So, if, if you're walking along the road, get your butt on the ground and lie down. And the house of Halal is saying, this is the stupidest thing I ever heard of. <laughs> and you are actually making yourself you know, you know, vulnerable to bandits and wild animals, and what's wrong with you people? So, you know, Shemai and the Hill, they go back and forth, and, all, and you know, of course, hello one out on that one. But uh, it's interesting, they talk about two sages praying together, and they don't really know each other. And they start, the, the one guy is laying down, and they start saying the Shema, and when they get to that point, BAM! This one guy who's from, I don't remember which house he's from, but he stood up erect, or sat up erect. 
So the other guy says, well, I, I learned from this that he believes the Holocaust is that we got to set up a rect. And the other guy's going, no, 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 you got it all wrong. I just wanted to make sure we didn't say that we had to lay down. You know, set it back and forth and back and forth. So I'd like to just talk about what did we learn with regard to prayer. Are those cool pictures or what? Very cool pictures. Yeah, very cool pictures. Um, about prayer. Tefillah. And uh, the Hebrew actually means intercession or supplication. And in fact, a hymn is an outward expression of tefillah. A hymn would be singing prayer. So there it is. Can you hear the right? Chris, right. Thank you so much. Okay. Is that cool? Pray with a newsie. That's what I want. Oh, man. Pray with an M16 or whatever. Okay, so the posture question is, uh, it's just what I wanted to chat about tonight, just kind of uh, get some discussion going. Should we be standing, sitting, kneeling, or even lying down when we pray? So I, I wanted to share with you my practice. This is not to establish any kind of halakhic thing or, uh, or to blow away any minhag. I'll just tell you what I do. So in the mornings, I get up, I wake up, I sip about a half a cup of coffee, I go to that drawer, I put my tallit on, I go to that closet, I turn on the closet light, I open up the closet, my tefillin is hanging there, and I pull my sleeve up, and I wrap my tefillin, I put on the head thing, I pull my um, tallit over my head, I finish wrapping, so I've got a sheen in the sheen, and I come back, grab my iPad stand, I finish my coffee, I get my second cup of coffee, I go out on the porch and put my sitter stand and my sitter out there. And I come back in here and I get my cup of coffee and I go out the other door and turn on the fans. And then I sit down, or pull a chair out, and I stand up and start my prayer, standing, as we do with Yishtabak. And then when that's done and I do the barku, I sit down for the blessings of the Shema, and I finish the Shema, and when that's done, of course, I get to the Amidah, and I stand up, and I'm out there, and I start singing my little heart out, trying to catch up to Jonathan. And the men and women that are walking their dogs think there's some Jew that's hiding away from the Nazis. Or Muslim, because they don't know. Or Muslim. <laughs> <laughs> when I finish, uh, finish the Amidah, I sit back down, and I do the uh, Takanu. And then at the end of talking to him, you stand up for the last paragraph. And then I sit down for the Ashray and Uvalacion. Uh, and I stand back up again for the. Uh, thank you. For the Elenu. And then I sit back down again. And I do the six remembrances. And I do the 13, 13, prin uh, 13 principles. Attributes. Principles of faith. They're not the 13 attributes of God, the 13 principles. Principles of faith, and then when I'm done with that, um, I read the Aliyah for the day, sitting down, and then I read the Talmud reading for the day, which takes significantly longer, especially today. Five hours later. <laughs> yeah, today the the Aliyah was about fourteen lines. It was one short paragraph, but the Talmud reading is you know, thirteen or fourteen pages. Uh, so I do that, and. Uh, and then I'm, I'm done. So I grab my gear, I come inside, put my coffee cup down, I disrobe, dismantle, de-do, put everything.
and then I go put my coffee cup in the sink. And that's my morning routine. And so I'm praying, standing and sitting, but I never lie down. And you never kneel. And I never kneel. And I never kneel. But I have added to practice, as you and I spoke of about two weeks ago, that during the Amidah, when I am praying for other people, I raise my hand, one or the other or both, in the same way that Aaron and Hur held up the arms of Moses, and this caused them to win the battle down below. I do that just as an outward gesture that I'm not doing this for me, I'm doing it for other people, and, and I, I feel good about that. And I do all of that out loud. So on the first day of the week, I'm praying for my first daughter and my first son-in-law. On the second day of the week, I'm praying for my second daughter and my second soon-to-be son-in-law. On the third day of the week, which is today, I pray for my third daughter and my soon-to-be third son-in-law. On the fourth day of the week, I pray for my son and my soon-to-be daughter-in-law, who I don't know yet. On the fifth day of the week, I pray for my fifth child, fourth daughter, and for her soon-to-be son-in-law, who I don't know either. And then on the sixth day, I pray for my wife and my granddaughter. That's, that's my practice. So if you stand out here or you're in this room in the morning, every now and then you'll see my arm go up, and I'm just pouring out my heart for those people on those days. That's, that's my practice. So what's your practice? Tell me, tell me are, you, are you standing up? How many times do you lay down with your tilly done? That's what I want to well, not, not many. Not many. Not many times. Not many. I, I actually end up when I actually end up standing most of the time. Yeah. So the up and down is a killer. Uh, so I I definitely do a lot more standing. Uh, no no kneeling, no lying down. Some sitting occasionally. But your rapids filling. Well, you got your Toledo? Regular practice every day, or what's the deal? Unfortunately, I don't wrap every day, mm-hmm. um, simply because of time. I mean, if you're wearing a long shirt, you got to be half naked just to do it. Well, because I've done it with a white shirt on on the outside, you don't want to do that. Yeah. So not only that, but but unfortunately for me, with my schedule and when I've got to get into the office and everything else going on, it's I I, it's I have not found a I have not found a good way to. Sure, I can wrap every day. Mm-hmm. Which um, he he barely finds time to eat lunch every day. Yeah, this is not an apologetic so, session. I'm, oh, no, no, I'm with you 100 no, percent here. But right? but it's I'm great and I don't wrap every day. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Uh, but but it is it, it's something that I struggle with trying to find some consistency with, um, and I haven't, I haven't found it yet. And so uh, I just, I'm grateful that for my lack of consistency in rapping, he's, he makes up so for it. So we've got a double rap going. He doesn't, he doesn't. Do rap, do rap, do rap. So, I've, uh, I've noticed that uh, if I wait for the appropriate time, the Zaman deal, yeah. it ain't going to happen. Yeah. Especially this time of year. Well, there plus, no plus your commute. Pretty short. Mm-hmm. My commute is very short. <laughs> it can be rough at times. So yeah. Girls get in the way. To me, it's a 40 minute commute. Yeah. Oh, so I got to factor all that in. And, and it just. Yeah. Wrap in but the even, car. even with like no commute, 
if I wait until the sun starts to come up, yeah. I am so far behind when I got to be sitting in that chair. Right. If I had a commute of any type, I'd be exactly yeah. right. So, so that, that, that's, that's the struggle, and that's what it is. So it's a struggle. But, yeah. but when, I, in, in, when I'm wrapping, when I'm able to go through the, the, all the prayers, yeah. uh, I'm mostly standing. Mostly standing. And when you when you're short of time, are you still using the Talit? Oh yeah, if I if definitely if I'm, the yeah, if I'm if I'm praying anything from the Sador, I've got my Talit on. Strictly Shakri. Shakri, yeah. Uh, well, in regards to lying down, that's only for the bedtime Shema, the right. evening Shema. So, and and that's actually cool. I just just started doing that. But and that's strictly Shema's version. Well, it, but if you remember in the, in the previous stop, like five, I think it was. Talking about reflect while in your beds, yeah, in the Psalms, and that, and that that's the time if you if you're laying down in bed right before you go to sleep, you should say the bedtime shema. Yeah. And I think that's actually cool. And that's so it's only at night when we do that. Yeah. So but during, Hillel was saying, you know, you you don't need to, right? You don't need to get in a specific position, right? And and pray. All they did say was, if you're walking along the way, stop right. when you get to that, so you can exactly. have some covenant. Right. So, as, but as far as morning, um, I I do uh, wake up, say the quick blessing, thanking God for restoring my soul. I try to drink water, use the bathroom. This is where you got. This is why you got to know Roman. Oh, yeah. Because we do the we do Romans Mode. Yeah. Really good stuff. It's hmm. good stuff. Really. Mm-hmm. Is yeah. this guy recorded anywhere? Or we get you? Oh, yeah. yeah. Really. Yeah. That sounds a prayer CD. Yeah. It's got the Moday on there. Okay. So, so there's a link coming from Greg Upham. Okay. It's on the recording now. iTunes. Mm-hmm. Just look at Roman and Elena on iTunes. You can oh, that guy. support him. Yeah. Did you just bring them all weekend? Yeah. I just heard it's uh, Bob Dollar. Really? Oh, yeah, yeah. Why it is. So I try to drink water, use the bathroom, make sure I'm dressed. Right. I normally eat. Like a whole meal, breakfast, or something, because the first thing I do when I wake up is I, I consider food. Like I need I need it within the next five minutes. Yeah. So I've been trying to actually stop that habit. And yeah. Pray first. So you want to feed first. your spirit right. before you feed your soul. <laughs> before that. Flesh. Okay. Good. So good. Yeah. Um, flesh, yeah. So yeah, to fill in, uh, Talit, my schedule changes every six months because of school. Yeah. So whether it's five thirty in the morning, I've 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 woken up that early just to have that uh, that opportunity. And I realize that that's a privilege I have, just being a student. I don't have, you know, don't have crazy schedules and right. whatnot. So, and I've, I've tried to make that um, as much as a, uh, an anthem of mine to take advantage of the time that, that God's given me for prayer in the morning. I get through everything in Hebrew. Uh, the, the, the morning blessings, I, if, I'm, if I'm doing anything, it's in Hebrew and it's sung. And I don't do anything after the uh, the. Amida, actually. As of right now, that's where I stop. Mm-hmm. The reason is because I spend about the next same amount of time reading from the scriptures. I try to make sure that for every minute of prayer, I'm, I'm compensating with these, almost the same amount of time in the scriptures. And, and your singing in Hebrew is not like my singing in Hebrew. I mean, you actually know what you're singing, uh, which is different. About, uh, not all of it. Uh, I mean, more than half I can understand. The other half is because I've said it so many times in English. You know. Where yeah. I, I know that's, it. that's wrong. Right, exactly. And um, and I quite honestly, I, I want to I want to add more prayers, uh, and I've, I'm, I'm getting to the point where it's becoming I can sing faster now, 
which is which is great. So I can be done with Shafari in like thirty minutes yeah. max, and then spend the next time reading the scriptures. So I think that is also important, and especially if you're reading the Talmud. To me, it's like where are my priorities first? Exactly. The Word of God. So, exactly. so that's really, and it's hard because that means you got to find two hours out of your day to to, to read everything. That's right. So it's. Uh, so I tell you, I, um, Which, now you start to now you start to appreciate if you're a if you're an Orthodox or if you're a Haredi. No wonder they don't work. Yeah, yeah. No, you're praying and reading all day. Life is life is nothing but Talmud and Torah. Right, it's it's a, I, I I I have to admit that over the past week or more, um, I find myself looking to almost rush through the English, so I can get to like the nine lines that I'm seeing in Hebrew, because. <laughs> I just love it so much, um, and I guess you know where you were coming from. I just, I really like to add some more of that, yeah. and, um, and and I'm and I'm willing to do that. Yeah. The, um, I'm you know I learned the sim, sim shalom. I learned three out of the or two out of the four verses or whatever, so I could kind of cover what we right. actually. Got. We didn't have a minion, so I didn't have to do it. But I'm singing that every morning, and I'm, I'm like. I like this song and I like this, you know, I like the whole thing. You know, so it's just cool stuff. <laughs> I, I do stand for most of it, or sorry, for, I, I sit for most of it, unless it says explicitly to stand. Right, so you're standing for the standing parts, like the Amida, right. but you're sitting for the rest of it. Because okay. we could do uh, the Pazuki Desen Ra, so there's parts of the standing part. And, um, just make sure. Oh, yeah, I also changed the Sador that I pray from. I have about three, three different versions. And it actually was a, a tip on how to increase your kavanah, your intention, your focus. Sure, you change it up. Right. And then that's, the, honestly, that's actually helped quite a lot. So yeah. if you have like uh, Ashkenaz, Sephardic, or Art Scroll, and Koran, whatever, yeah, yeah, just yeah. grab one. With yeah, and, like, I agree. Great. And that is good, a good uh, bet. And for those that are, that are reading the, the Torah and the portions for either the first or second time through, um, changing up your, your version. Yeah, you know, read it in, in the in the weird one, and then read it in the Orthodox Bible, and then read it in the ESV. Yeah, ESV, yeah, yeah. you know, New New Standard, whatever it may be. It it it, it makes you pay attention. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Well, um, I just started doing it about a year ago. Whenever I started coming back, and uh, I made a practice just to kind of help focus myself, always wearing my tallit. And recently, within the past three or four months, I listened to your head covering class and have now made it a practice to always wear my uh, kippah, or at least have my head covered if I'm praying. Yeah. Um, and on most days, I'm able to read from the Ishitapah to all the way through to the 13 uh, principles at the Yodhiyah. And... Uh, Certain days, there you get wake up a little late, or you're dragging feet, and don't get wise to finish up through the uh, Amidah. Yeah. Um, but I always make it a point to at least read the blessings before the Shema and uh, up to the Amidah, because there's a lot of things that you get to cover that really helps you, especially with your prayers and blessings, to set your day up because That's you're. Confessing things that you may have done the day before, or the week before, or whatever, and uh, also just asking for favor, which I think the going through the Amidah really, yeah. really helps. Um, Joshua Talent um, really gave me a, you know, some good insight with regard to that. And he said, "When you, when you guys are praying, 
as, as a group, you're praying a whole lot more than is required. And you may want to just pray what's required so you've got more time to learn some songs, to do this, to do that. And I'm, I'm like, where's the list of what's, you know, and that you know, just brings up, you know, look at the Shulchan Aruch. Um, Morgan has asked me if I would take the Life Ed Sitter we put together and, and cut out just the stuff that's according to the Lady Sitter is the minimum requirement each morning and put that in a separate document for her so that she can just, baby's crying, I got not a lot of time, I'm going to do the bare minimum. What's the required amount according to the sages? Well, here's the doc. Zip, bam, she's done. That kind of thing. So I'm personally waiting for the Hebrew English iPad version. Yeah, there's a lot of Hebrew in the one we, we yeah, put out there. There's a lot of Hebrew. I'm, I'm going to be adding more and more. Version 3.5 is going to have a little bit more. Well, I mean, you know, you can just use one of those sitters in the store that are all Hebrew. Yeah, I mean, that's my point. Because. <laughs> Because those are already available. Yeah, I hate and the Hebrew doesn't change translation. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It would be nice to have the English next to it so that you could actually tell where you're at. Because otherwise you're just fumbling around. So that's good. That's good. Um, and I've been... I pretty much sit unless it tells me to stand. Yeah. Um, and I've done... I guess one of the practices I've done for myself since I'm always praying alone, unless I'm gathered with all the guys on uh, Shabbat, is I... Do the whole kind of praying to yourself to where you can hear it but no one else can. Yeah. Except for when it gets to the chasm. Because I want to be able to, if the time comes, be, the be prepared for that. And it kind of keeps, even if you're by yourself, it kind of keeps that order going. So if you're yeah. not just sitting and praying to yourself, I'm flying yeah. through this thing. All of a sudden you got to realize, hey, this is the part for the chasm. Yeah. Time to move. The, uh, the Talmud just went through that whole deal. Uh, Rick commanded... To pray some, you're commanded to do some of these things, and if you're not praying out loud, if you just you know skimming your eyes like you're speed reading with Evelyn Wood, you might as well be praying to Evelyn Wood. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's you're not praising with your lips, with your mouth. You know, a lot of times this doesn't come natural to you. Yeah. If y'all have read uh, Lappin's book, Buried Treasure, he said he said for himself personally. That was something he had a hard time doing. It was something he had to learn, and I found for myself, um, especially in the beginning, I didn't know what the words I was talking about, the things in the in the Shakri service, you, I didn't know what they were talking about. So for me, it was just kind of skimming over a story I didn't know. Um, and then as time has progressed, it's like, things are starting to click. Oh, the things I have a uh, question about is, um, I'm praying quietly to myself for the most part, except for certain areas where either I've learned from Shakri services or if it explicitly says the word, recite this, to say that out, that portion out loud. So I think that, I think that's correct. You're only supposed to say things out loud that says to recite. The other stuff, I mean, you're, it's out loud, but only loud enough for you and God to hear. Right. But to your point about the commandment to praise, that's why the singing yeah. starts to, or take on a, a more significant meaning because that's that's real uh, that's really the essence of the praise, right? And and I, and quite frankly, I mean personally, I mean I'm just another guy. But the kavanah is over the top when I'm trying to sing, yeah. and it's not now. It's not. Well, did I get the pronunciation right? I can look at it and tell if I got the pronunciation right. right. That's not it. 
I'm, I'm truly praising God in his tongue from my lips. Right. That's, to me, that's, that's stone top cool. I'd say one of the things, even, you pointed out that you like to do the equal time of praying, the equal time of reading. It's hard to do because it's already, when you're solid 30, 45 minutes, I oh, yeah. to pray, but yeah. to make sure at least just to get the aliyah for the day in, to, there's one thing reading, or doing the prayers every morning, because like you say, switching up versions, I mean, you, you start to learn it in your head where you can just kind of look at the center of the page and you know where you're at, and maybe you kind of miss yourself, it's like, oh, okay, and you keep going, but when you pray, you kind of get yourself in that mental mindset, and you finish up and you follow, even just an aliyah. That aliyah is cool. Yeah, it just helps you. Now, okay, I've already got my mindset going for the day. Now let's just add a little bit of scripture to it. Right. Something I can think about and apply throughout the day. That's right. Yeah. I, I really appreciate the reading of the Alion every day. And I'll cut I'll cut stuff out of the prayers. I'll cut the 13 principles. I'll cut the seven remembrances, six remembrances. I'll cut those if I have to, based on time, to make sure I get that Alion. And... You're, you're starting earlier if you're going to try and get the Talmud to me, but I won't touch that Talmud until I get the, the Aliyah. No, wait, wait. You're not rapping. Not rapping. I'm, I'm rapping. <laughs> yes. Hi, Greg. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I think that is a really neat thing to practice where you equal the time of prayer with the time of scripture reading because. I think that's probably one of the most imbalanced things right now is usually my routine is six to seven is, is prayer time. And sometimes whatever I'm doing in the morning is between five and six. We'll cut in a little bit, six, ten, I start, something like that. Yeah. But scripture reading is not as as much as that. And I should definitely be rebalancing that, now, especially now that you, you mentioned that. Um, but usually I, I do a lot before prayer just from five to six just work or scripture reading or anything like that and then um six to seven usually i i pray one thing that i have tried to implement is getting the talit and tefillin on even if i only say the shema like even if it's like five minutes yeah. before i have to leave for work yeah. i just make sure to, to get both of those on because for me, it, it just sticks with me so much throughout the day, just as a remembrance, you know, just having yeah. that. And um, so I, I I try to do most of the morning blessings. Most of those are just beautiful. I, I love everything leading up, leading up to the Kazuke Dizmra. Those are all just amazing. And then I usually do the required ones that you mentioned, um, just the Bach, the Ashray, the uh, Psalm 150. And then the first one, yeah, the Ukshamar. And then Shema, usually I skip a lot of the blessings of the Shema. Usually just go right to the Shema and then everything after that until the Amidah. Okay. Um, especially those three paragraphs of scripture. Yeah. And then Amidah, then I jump right over to the, um, either either the Alenu, uh, and it just always depends on time, you know. Yeah. I, I sort of yeah. switch it up, like almost the same concept with switching Sidereen. Yeah. I do that with the prayers yeah. because there's just no time to get in. Yeah. I mean, a so dedicated hour. Yeah. yeah, 
and I still are am doing probably like maybe tops three quarters of it. Yeah. So yeah, I, I just switch it up what the extra things that I do each morning. I, and, I, uh, I neglected to mention the song of the day because I'm doing the song of the day as well. And yeah, I, yeah, you sure yeah that's that, that's actually pretty cool. And I'm, I'm starting to get those down. One thing that I will do is, for instance, when Elul comes up, Psalm 27 gets read out yeah. loud every yeah. morning with Morgan. And then if it's Rosh Chodesh, Psalm 108, I think, is yeah, the, the big one. one. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so I, I usually do that one as well. And then I've been trying to develop a habit of reading the Aliyah out loud each morning. But there's there's just a couple mornings where it totally slips my mind. Because in some cases, I've already read it that morning. And so I don't think about reading it out loud with, yeah. with Morgan and Sophia. And I've been trying to, to get that. I want that to be sort of a breakfast thing. Like yeah. we, we just know that that's part of what we do. Um, but yeah, that, that's about it. I usually do not do Minka. In fact, the only time I do Minka is on Shabbat. And then the bless, the, the bedtime Shema, instead of, some, some nights we do, I'll read Psalm 91 to Sophia before she goes to bed. Or I'll switch that up with one other paragraph. I don't read the whole bedtime Shema to her usually. One of those, Psalm 91 is amazing. I love reading that to her. And then when, right before we go to sleep, I try to remember to say the Shema, like literally lying down right before we close our eyes. Mm -hmm. we, we just say it then. Um, I have been thinking, and oh, and most of the time is sitting and usually the only time I stand is for the required things except recently I I don't know if it's just been more tired or something it has really helped to stand more and to do more davening oh, yeah. that's, that's, that's why I like to stand because A if I sit down in the chair and I get comfy yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know especially when you're starting early I mean, right when I'm starting early and in you my just case I've probably been up late the night before right. yeah, yeah. so for me to stand make sure I stay focused it's a wellness thing yeah. but I also like I, I like uh, to dive in. Yeah, exactly. That to me is like whatever that thing is, um, metronome or something. We were, the yeah. music. Yeah. yeah. It just keeps you in in line. The whole thing. Yeah. You hear your, your pants yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> flapping. And uh, so I, I do, I have been trying to do that more and it, it has helped a lot. But um, the whole kneeling concept, I've really been thinking more about this. Every, every once in a while, I'll hit like a verse, you know, where it's like, you know, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess. And, yeah. you, you know, it seems like it just, I guess, psychologically, it seems like such a submissive posture, yeah. you know, almost like the surrender. And, and a lot of times, especially during the times of our prayers where we're repenting out loud, as we're commanded to do in Scripture, I sometimes wonder if, if that would be the best position to be in. But then what always keeps me from doing it is association with the, the Muslim style of, sure. of prayer, because that's what it's all, kind yeah. of kneeling on Talk the about blanket. Talking about Yeah, yeah. So, and I don't know if that's enough reason to stay away from it, or if it should Well, we're going to look at it scripturally in a second. So okay. It will be a little difficult to kneel down with the salit on. Be well, you you got to... You just gotta be careful yeah. when you stand back up that you don't yeah, step on the seat seat <laughs> or, or the head <laughs> oh. like, Yeah, or you feel like yeah. Yeah, yeah. you have yanked my kingdom from me. <laughs> I can't tell you that uh, it's been especially uh, insightful for me to be sitting because you know I'm 
I'm also sensitive to the amount of time and, and trying to balance it. Um, and, and I'm spending probably a minimum of an hour for, you know, if I get out there by quarter to six, I'm done by seven. And that's really the best for me. Because that, you know, now I've got time to spend with the family before I got to go to work and that sort of thing. Um, but I just, I really, uh, I really enjoy exclaiming to God out loud, almost, you know, with a, with a shout, if you will, and holding up that wrapped arm, you know, I just, I just feel like I'm in battle and I'm, and I'm, I'm there, you know, catch me, I'm here, you know. Um, but there's just something really cool about crossing your legs, throwing your iPad in your lap, you got the Talib on, you got the, the phone on, and you're reading the Alibi. Or you're reading the Talmud, and you, you just feel like you're part of, yeah. you know, the the millennial team. Right. <laughs> you know, and I like that. What about you? Similar. I don't always rap. Every time you go, um, I sit. I stand and then you can stand. I, well, I stand during the, the other day. Uh, that's usually, that's usually, I end at the other day, at the end of the other day. Um, it, uh, it always seems funny to me that uh, you know, mo- uh, Mondays and Thursdays, you know, you're getting a long time for me. And, uh, you know, so I'm sitting for a while for that thing. Please relent from the evil. Whenever you know, when you go through the door, whenever you get, you know, it's the wimpy thing where you get to stand up. You know, you to, the first thing you're going to do is stand up. Hup! You know, stand up. But as soon as that little thing is back, back down, because you got the you know, let's see, yon, we got this, we got that, and then finally we get back up to the Elaine. You know, so, so. Cool. All right. So um, it seems that most are standing and sitting, as called for by the sages. The kneeling seems to be not there, um, pretty much, and the lying down is, is just not happening unless it happens to be at the end of the day for the for the uh, for Shema. So that's uh, which, by the way, the if you don't know the Hashkivena, Hashkivena is a song for Hashkivena. That's a beautiful song. You guys play it sometimes. Hashkivena. That's that, that's right on the Shema. Just tomorrow. I seem to have forgotten to put the day in the. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but we went through it. Where you were at that. Okay, so um, before we uh, continue, I want to we go through these scriptural examples. Thank you. Um, I I was curious about um, touching on a topic that I've not touched on. Other than to to grab the liturgical prayer, which I never did when I was in the in the uh, professing church, um, so I just kind of grabbed and glommed onto that. But I've never been back to look at exactly what the scripture says regarding prayer, and and I, I think it's it'd be good to look at it, you know, because okay, um, you know the the, the question about 
Well, it would be better to kneel, I think. I mean, it seems to be a, a better posture with regard to my presence to him and that kind of thing. I've tried it once. Yeah. So let's look at these. So somebody uh, grab. Uh, you're jumping ahead now. What are you doing? Oh, oh I, I thought okay, you were jumping even further ahead. <laughs> All right. First Samuel chapter one and verse twenty-six. I guess. You got it. Read that for me, Pete. What do you got? Twenty-six. I think it's one twenty-six. Is it not? And she said, "Oh my lord, as you live, my lord, I am the woman who was standing here in your presence, praying to the Lord." She was standing while she was praying. That's Hannah. And she was standing in prayer. I think it's noteworthy to, uh, to recognize that we've got a biblical example of someone standing to pray. That seems completely out of sync with the church, with the visible church today. Um, the only time they pray standing up is if they're about to take a collection. <laughs> Let's look at Solomon. 1 Kings 8.54. Somebody get that? Somebody get the parallel passage in 2 Chronicles chapter 6, verse 13. Let me hear you. What do you got? 854. 1 Kings 854. Okay. Now as Shlomo finished offering all this prayer and plea to the Lord, he arose from before the altar of the Lord, where he had knelt with hands outstretched towards heaven. Okay. So he's actually kneeling at the altar in the temple. This is a unique thing. But I thought it also curious that he's got his arms outstretched. They're, they're up, and uh, this is a, a particularly unique um, gesture, if you will, um, that we don't see very often, um, but hands upraised is consistent with the Kohanim. What, what's interesting is not, not, not to get too Kabbalistic here, but the, the letter Zadi. The actual pictograph of the Zadi is a Zadik yeah. on his knees. Kneeling with, with his arms out. Okay. Yeah. Very interesting. So. Slash Kabbalistic on. Slash Kabbalistic off. Okay. <laughs> so, Second Chronicles, you got that one? Yeah. It's a parallel passage. Got that one. I, I, uh, 12 actually kind of relates to yeah, it please. a little bit as well. So. Then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of all the assembly of Israel and spread out his hands. For Solomon had raised, had, had made a bronze platform five cubits long, five cubits wide, and three cubits high, and had set it in the midst of the court. And he stood on it, knelt down on his knees before all the assembly of Israel, and spread out his hands towards heaven. Now isn't it interesting that not only did he raise his hands, he's knelt down, but it says that he stood up. So it appears that he had been kneeling in prayer, stood up, and then in, into the middle of this eight by eight deal that he just made, and kneels down and raises his hand. So that's again. So we got Hannah standing, Solomon kneeling, and now we go uh, to the apostolic rites. You want to stop for a second before we talk about the hypocrites in Matthew six five that the master talks about, and I want you to make a note. I just gave you. Every single reference in the entire Tanakh that speaks of someone praying and describing their posture. There's two. Hello? There's two. Anna standing. Solomon was standing and knelt in order to 
supplicate with his hands out. I, to me, that's significant. 75% of the Bible, I got two references. It is interesting to note that in all of the Tanakh, if you've got a Hebrew Bible from Bereshit all the way to or Chronicles, right? Because they don't number it, right? To Chronicles, two. If you got an English Bible from Genesis to Malachi, you know, two. Two references. And nobody's near, uh, nobody's laying down. Nobody's sitting. You know, nobody's sitting. They may be prostrate, but remember, what does the Bible record? The anomalies. Here's a woman praying. Here's a, here's a king praying before all the people and kneels down with his arms out. That's, that's, that's extraordinary. Also, the, those two times are in a very important place as well. I mean, there's no chairs, so they can't be sitting down. That's correct. So There are no chairs in the temple right. or in and around it. It's so exactly so you have right. two options. You can yeah. kneel, you we're going to lay down, yeah. we're going to kneel, or we're going to stand up. It's exactly right. All right, so let's go through a few of the apostolic writings, and then let's see if we can get to some kind of uh, summation of this. So uh, Matthew 6, 5 for the hypocrites. Yes, sir, go ahead. What do you got? When you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. Okay, so... I want to be sure that we don't add to the text here. He's not saying that praying standing up is bad, nor is he saying that praying standing up on the street corner is bad. He's saying that the attitude of being wanting to be seen is a problem. So let's let's not take it out of context. But who's he talking about? I mean, who's known for that kind of prayer? Yeah, the Prushim, the Pharisees, because they became, they're the forerunners of rabbinic Judaism that we're mimicking today. When we stand to the Amidah, we're, we're just simply following what they did for them. So, I don't think anyway you try to act outwardly to show yourself. Right, well, exactly. Same He's talking thing. specifically about those who practice this in a hypocritical manner. Right. And it's cool, though, because a, a hypocrite is one who doesn't practice what he preaches. Yeah. So he doesn't have a problem with what they're teaching, just just what their inconsistencies. Exactly right. I think it's much just exactly. Matthew 23. Right. Precisely. Do that again? Well, okay. a hypocrite is one who's not doing as, as what he's saying. He's practicing what he preaches. Right. So, so in other words, Yeshua didn't have a problem with what they what they were espousing and telling others to do. He, his problem was you're not being consistent. So, so I think that's cool that Yeshua, you know, he didn't. He didn't hit them at the root or at, you know, at the problem with their theology or thoughts. It was just the way they were practicing. It wasn't, it wasn't that they were praying like that. Right. It was that they're doing it in order to be seen mm-hmm. rather than to just pray like that. I, I just wanted to point out, because I, I, I've thought about this particular verse, and I think it's so neat how it is in our community, because either we're all praying separately, before our families wake up because we have work and so we're up right. very early. Right. Or we're together. So there's never an opportunity for us to be praying around people who aren't praying or praying as if it would to make us out more you mean righteous. Like on a street corner or something. Right, exactly. Because if we're together then everybody's doing the same thing anyway. So there's no it's not like you're being seen by anybody 
would make you look more righteous than anyone else. Exactly. So I think that's really cool. It is neat. And I take it as a special blessing. And when we didn't have the minion this Shabbat, it was sad because we didn't get to do the extra stuff that we can do when we came together. But did you feel the, the, the need that everybody felt to show up? Who was it that said, you know, I feel, oh, Jeremiah, right? He was saying, you know, sometimes it's been a long night, I work at the bar, you know, it's either late, you know, you get up and, you know, oh, I, mean, I can be for Shabbat, but now, you yeah, realize the minion, yeah. you could be the minion guy, you know, you know we're all going to end up being called out of town or, or doing whatever that's going to go, that's not what we're talking about, but the, the focus this past Shabbat was, I thought, beautiful, that people realized how important that minion is. You know, in, in three years, that would only happen the second time. It's, it's incredible. But were you That's short right. two guys? Yeah. Oh. Two guys, yeah. Oh. It's okay. I mean, there was short two. Short guys. <laughs> <laughs> there was actually a lot more folks that could have come, but due to finances and circumstances in their lives. We got close, though, because we lost one and gained one. Yeah. <laughs> due to circumstances and, and, and finances and whatnot. It's, it's going to be games. tough over yeah. the next several months to try and get right. the minion. So every guy it's really right counts. Right. And it makes yeah. you just love the other guy that much more, you know? Now, before we go on, uh, the master's talking about the hypocrite here, but he mentions this same type of scenario because he sees it when he's in the temple at one point, and he turns to his apostles. Do you recall that? He's in the temple and sees two men praying. And it's the same thing as this guy when he's in the temple. But now he's not talking about hypocrisy at all. But he describes two men praying. Do you remember him describing two men in prayer? And they're both standing up. And the one looks up to heaven. And he says, thank you, God, that you didn't make me like this guy. And the other guy won't even raise his head towards heaven. But he's in the middle of the Amidah, and he is beating his breast and saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Do you remember that? Mm -hmm. It's the same deal. It's a Pharisee and a publican. It's a Pharisee. Both standing in prayer in the temple. He doesn't say, look at these schmoes standing up while they pray instead of kneeling. He doesn't say, look at these idiots doing this dothening thing. That's not what he says. He's praising these men because they're praying and focusing then on the one whose attitude is right. Okay, let's look at the disciples in Matthew 11. Um, I beg your thank you. Mark, verse, uh, chapter 11, verse 25. Who's got You got it? What do you got there? And whenever you stand praying, forgive. I'm sorry, I missed the beginning. Whenever you... And whenever you stand or sit. No, stand. <laughs> whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone, so that your Father, also who is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. Now, you know, Isaac... 
I'm just really surprised. Because I've never heard that expounded upon in the church building. Whenever you stand praying, I just didn't see, I, I grew up a Methodist. That just wasn't the practice. The only time you stood up to pray was when you did the Apostles' Creed in church, right? I mean, there was no other time. Every other time you prayed, you were either sitting in a chair or you were kneeling down. But you would never stand to pray. Did y'all not have altar calls? We didn't have altar calls. Why would you need an altar call? You don't need to be saved if you're Methodist. Yeah. All right. So I, I just think this is extraordinary. But to, to, to me, I mean, whenever you stand praying, to me, that's, that's a specific reference to the standing prayer. No question. Whenever you stand praying, forgive, right? So now we're, now we're, we're talking about a specific benediction right. That's in right. the standing prayer. Exactly right. Yeah, I've, I've gotten so intimate with the uh, sitter, with the uh, with the iPad uh, project that I was on. Um, I actually counted, and there really is, or there really are, 18 benedictions. And if, if the only time you really look at the sitter is on Shabbat, you don't count 18, because we pull some out that are inappropriate on Shabbat. There really are 18, and if you got the heretics thing in there, you got 19. I mean, there really is 18. Shmone Esrei. I mean, that's what it is. All right. I mean, it was a revelation to me. Sorry, I never can anymore. So, what do you? Ah, let's look at the Pharisee. Ch uh, Luke chapter eighteen and verse eleven. It's very similar to the other one. Part of the forgive thing, didn't we? I don't think I read it on my own. We recently went over this either in praying. Yeah. No, in the uh, in the portion, or maybe it was an apostolic portion. I don't remember. Well, I'll read Greg because they've been going through the prayers. Maybe they followed me. You went through it? Yeah. Pete, what do you got? It says the Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus. But it has a footnote that prayed could be standing. Prayed so that's actually twice standing in one. Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus. God, I thank you. That I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. Oh, well, that sounds familiar. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so this, these must be the uh, the parallel passages of the hypocrite and, and the Pharisee. Uh, Good. All right. Very good. Ah, Yeshua, Luke twenty two forty one. This is near the end of his life. And he withdrew from them by a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed. Who got one? Who is uh, who's kneeling down and praying? It's the master. Now where is he? He's on the Mount of Olives. Yes, and he has just said in two or three of the uh, uh, synoptic gospels, "Sit down here and wait for me." while I go pray. He specifically says to them, sit, which I thought was pretty interesting. Especially if their prayers are normally standing up, he specifically tells them to sit and wait while I go over here to pray. And he goes over there to pray, and he kneels down. He kneels down. Now, 
I want you to, I'm, I'm going to do this when we've got two more done here, but I want you to make a mental note. What was the circumstance when this man knelt to pray? And then look back to the only other reference we have in the entire Bible so far. And tell me if you see any parallel to when the other man knelt to pray. Please. Peter, Acts chapter 9 and verse 40. This one's great. This one's great. As you're looking it up, uh, if you'll recall, uh, Tabitha uh, is the only daughter of uh, this particular woman. And uh, Tabitha is a young girl and she dies. And, uh, Tabitha arrives. That's right. Uh, Peter is called. Greg, you got it? But Peter put them all out and knelt down and prayed, and turning to the body he said, Tabitha, arise! And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. Mm -hmm. Grabbed the guitar and began to sing. And there it is! What a great story! So, again, Peter obviously was a very <coughs> ardent man of prayer. Going up at the hour of prayer, it says early in the book of Acts, praying with the Master on a regular basis in the temple, and always standing. And here he kneels down. In order to do what? Raise someone from the dead. And now we have our third example of someone kneeling. First, the Master, who is asking the Father to let the cup of death pass him by, if it's possible. Peter, praying that life would be restored to a dead child, and Solomon, praying on his knees as the king of Israel. I was going to say, he's a great example of James 5, 16, defective, prayer of fervent prayer man. of a righteous man. Of much. Much. Yes, it's exactly right. Mm -hmm. All right, last one, we've got two. It's a double hitter. You guys in the cheap sheets over here, we've got Paul at Miletus in Acts chapter 20, verse 36, and Paul at Tyre in Acts chapter 21, and verse 5. I got 21. You got 21 and 5? Oh, I'll have it just a second. Okay. And what's the other one? 20, verse 36. 20, verse 36, I got that. Let me hear it. 20, verse 36. When he said these things, he knelt down and prayed to them all. Okay, so Paul is uh, at Miletus. He's about to get uh, on the ship and leave. And the, uh, the folks of the city have followed outside the city. And he knelt down with them and prayed. He knelt down with them and prayed. Astonishing. This is the, in the, in the apostolic writings, the third example of kneeling in prayer. Third. Fourth in the entire Bible. And what was he going to do? He's going to Jerusalem to die. And where, where was he? He was in Miletus. He was leaving Miletus. Okay. okay? And then in Tyre, this is where they're on the beach about to get on the boat. And just as uh, shortly after Agabus ties himself up with Paul's belt and says, The man who owns this belt is going to Jerusalem to be bound thusly and to die. When our days there were ended, we departed and went, our, uh, went on our journey. And they all, with wives and children, accompanied us until we were outside the city. And kneeling down on the beach, we prayed. Okay, so I got him backwards. So Miletus is where you've got Agabus and Tyre. They're outside the city. 
on the uh, on the shore, and uh, he kneels down. So in both cases, he's kneeling down, right? And in both cases, what's he doing? Going to death. Peter praying about the death that had taken this young girl. Yeshua praying that death would not have to be his lot. So. It may be me, maybe I'm morbidly looking at this, but it appears that only those having to deal with something extraordinarily serious, almost, I could say, a life and death situation, or when we see men kneel in prayer. We see many other times where men kneel. They kneel before the king. They bow before a majesty. They kneel before Yeshua several times. They say, oh, Lord, if you're willing, you can heal my servant. Oh, Lord, my son constantly throwing himself into fire, and he's just foaming at the mouth, and it's a terrible thing. But Lord, if you're willing, you can do this. Lord, if you're willing. They're not praying. They're beseeching the king, which I submit is exactly what Solomon is doing in 1 Kings and the parallel passages in 2 Chronicles. So if you take that one out for the beseeching nature of it, then you really have really a life and death situation for kneeling. So I hope that kind of brings home, should I be kneeling more? Because that's what I was wondering. I was never raised to pray like this, and it seems kind of odd. So I decided to go to the book. What does the Word of God say? Well, the Word of God says people stand to pray. That seems to be the normal posture. And the anomalies that the Bible records are when men are in life and death situations and are driven to their knees. Is it wrong to kneel when you pray? Of course not. Is it wrong to, to lie down when you pray? It seems to be an odd posture to have before the king of the universe um, unless you're at the end of the day that he's provided and you're deliberately before you go to sleep, blessingly believe. And it's but don't we, don't we have don't we have like in Revelation the saints the saints cross they bow they bow down and it's more worship and uh, I didn't put it in I, I may have it I think this is my last one I think I took it's it out worship I had it prayer. and it's a different word. It's not tefillah. It's yeah. not prayer. It's worship. Different deal. Yeah. That makes sense. Right. You know, we bow down and worship. And, you know, it's a beautiful song, right? I mean, we, we know the song. You know, and, you know, you give the crown and you bow down and worship. You know, that kind of, it's different. Yeah. Prayer? Oh, you have something to say? I was just going to say that the only time that I, I can recall just going through the portion cycle. Yeah. It, where it almost sounds like somebody's laying down is when they encounter God, where it'll say, so-and-so fell on his face. And that usually... I, I actually had those in the list. Abraham is a perfect example um, when he meets him at the, uh, at the Oaks of Mamre, right? Yeah. He prostrates himself. Jacob does the same thing. He prostrates himself, right? Um, you've, you've got these men that prostrate themselves before the king. It's not prayer. That's a, my point. Yeah, it's a worship thing, and this normally it's that word for worship. Yeah. Well, when uh, when Moses comes down off the mountain, yes, 
he throws not only the tablet down, but he throws himself down. He prostrates as himself. As he is begging God to forgive them. Yes. So that's saying he's yeah. still life or death. But it's, it's not the word pray. He beseeches God. So I would have to go back and see, did the English, you know, throw in the beseech thing instead of prayer? It's possible. But, you know, it's so rare. You're right. Which is also... That's where, you know, Charles Stanley started praying on a pallet. You know, and his wife comes in with the breakfast one morning and literally trips and spills hot coffee all over him because he's praying on a pallet, a wooden pallet, on the floor in a dark room. And she walks in to bring his breakfast in and trips over his body as if he was dead. You know, and, you know to his credit, he never even said it. Come I, I was going to say, as far as my knowledge of modern-day halakha, yeah. you do not kneel, you don't, your knees don't touch the uh, stone unless you're in the temple. Right now, that doesn't even extend to outside of the hotel. Really? So, since the destruction of the temple, there's only once in Jewish prayer where you actually, there, there's an exception to the rule. It's during, it's either Rosh Hashanah or Yom Kippur, I think it's Yom Kippur, where there, there is a particular prayer where everyone actually does the knees on the floor and, and head to the ground for one particular benediction. And we wow. know that Yaakov in the New Covenant, the, the Talmud actually says that J James, or Yaakov, his knees were like those of a camel. Yes. They were so calloused because he was always praying on his knees in the temple. Yeah. So, so I think, and if, if you think about it, the context is death again, and exactly. destruction of the temple, I guess. Yeah. I mean, he was the apostolic scriptures don't say that. Right. It's the Talmud says it about him. Exactly. His, as a as a study. Right. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. The the fact that when you look at the incidences of the scripture, particularly it's not saying to prostrate, it's not in 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 cases of tefillah. It's in cases of worship. Right. That to me is Adoration. also another argument for why most, if not all, of the uh, Malach Adonai appearances mm. where somebody prostrates themselves, that's worship. Yes. If that's an angel, they, they just committed idolatry. That's exactly right. Which is why the Jews today will not visit that, uh, that stone in Israel, right? Because they got to, you know, the... They make him crawl down and, and bow down, as it were, uh, before that uh, stone. I can't remember this is. I thought that was And that was like in the first century. Oh, no, it's right there now. I went there. About There's two sides to that stone. I remember what the stone is. It's a Gentiles house. They have their idols in the back room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Low doors. There's, there's, there's <laughs> something there. I don't remember what it is. Do you remember what it is? You know what? It's it's one of the things right there in Jerusalem. It's one of the tourist well, sites. You you're not talking about the. Uh, you're not talking about the Church of the Sepulchre. Yeah. What's what's on one side? You got the Orthodox, the Greek Orthodox guys, and they've got it so that you've yeah. got to. Yeah. yeah that's the Sepulchre. Right? <laughs> that's the Sepulchre. <coughs> I went into the church. Yeah. Did you hear? Massive church. Yeah, took the, yeah, it was really weird. Right? Church or whatever you want to. Indiana Jones feels good. Yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah. That's freaking. So what do you say? Two things. Yeah. First of all, prostrate. Yes. What does that look like? Prostrate would be to lie down flat on the floor. So it's not kneeling and having your face in it. That's correct. That's not. It's not like the Arabs do. It's not like this. Right. Right. Not like that. 
Not like that. That's Neil. That's that. Yeah, well, I don't know what that would be. Thank you very much. That's, that's <laughs> on the audio. It's not on the video. That's so frustrating. It's just like lying down, flat, prostrate on the floor. That just seems so awkward. And that does that act? Well, I, I think it, it actually comes from those that came in contact with the living God. Right. And <laughs> right. And you can't pass out. You can't really get into that position unless you fall. Well, you fall or you drop to your well, knees and prostrate it's yourself. And what did Abraham do? Right. Abraham prostrated himself. You know, and it's you know like, oh God, this. Yeah. You know. Right. It's interesting because the the Mishnah in uh, Tractate Yoma, which is the tractate that talks about uh, Rosh Hashanah, Sukkot, and so forth. Oh, about Yom Kippur. Or, or, yeah, about Yom Kippur. With respect to Yom Kippur, it actually talks about, going back to your point, that uh, during Second Temple, during the Temple times, on Yom Kippur, when everybody's standing in the court, yeah. right, uh, it talks about how when, they, room. When, when he would go in, when, when the Kohen uh, Haggadah would go in to the Holy of Holies once a year, splash the blood on the east end of the mercy seat, right? Go through that whole process and then come back out to give the uh, ironic benediction. When he would come out and do that, he would actually pronounce the name, okay, and at the at the sounding of the name, the Talmud says, everybody on premise prostrates, and the, and they and they talk about how it was a miracle because you can imagine it's, it's standing room only. Mm-hmm. If you if you can barely stand in there because it's so <laughs> tight, how could that. people all prostrate? But yeah. but it was the you know the Talmud describes it as a miracle that somehow everyone. Was able to prostrate, and, and there was always room, and there was always room, right? And that's when they would actually recite when they did the uh, uh, when they when he would say the the, the name, they would recite out loud uh, the uh, uh, blessed is Bruce and Bruce. Yes, thank you. Know you. Know I mean? And and that's why we don't say it out loud. Now, when we pr- when we pray the Shema, that's why we whisper it in an undertone, because the only time you say that out loud is on Yom Kippur right. for that occasion. And, and we do it out loud, right? You know, during the service now. Baruch Malchuto Yes, yes. I just was thinking about that whole concept of, of running flat like that, and it's so interesting because then. In similar situations where God is there and they are encountering God, you have like in the situation with Moses where God actually says that the ground is holy. holy. Take off your sandals for the ground is holy. And that's so typical of a patriarch or a, a tzaddik that yeah. he would desire for everything to touch God's holiness in yeah. a sense. You know, like his entire body, you know, not to have anything, just his body there. Yeah. You know, we, we talk about the movie, and we, we joke about Charlton Heston. But if you recall that specific point in the movie, I think he did a fabulous job because he was trembling with fear, and he did exactly what you just described. He, he cowered and prostrated himself 
and then covered his head while lying flat on the ground because he just was so afraid but knew he could not stand in his presence. And that's scriptural. Who can stand mm -hmm. in that day? And I think if you look at, um, even just from a somewhat more secular perspective, the um, people who come in needy, pleading, you know, have nothing to offer. I mean, how many images have you seen of someone for a king, you know, flat on their face, begging so, for mercy? Yeah. Or someone, you know, uh, a ruler has given a harsh judgment. Someone's, you know, Begging pleading for mercy, mercy and they're grabbing their ankles. You know, there's yeah. this... And, this... And, and that's what we talked about a minute ago, where now we're not talking about prayer. Now we're talking about that supplication, that begging... Beseeching humility. Beseeching. The, yeah. You, you recognize yeah. this is a greater and lesser deal. You know, Lord, surely you can... I, I know you can heal my son if you're willing you can heal me if you're well, you know, that kind of thing. It's, but it's, I mean, it's, it's even more than just thing. pleading, though. I think it's just a sense of like, great humility in the presence right. of someone of immense power. That's right. there's, there's actually, in the book of Joshua, God says that he, you will put your, your foot on the neck of the Gentiles in the land. Right. And that can, that's actually in the art school commentary, they have two interpretations. Rashi says it's like, the, it's the way people would train dogs back in the day, too. So to make your dog submit, you would actually... You know, foot on his neck. Foot on the neck thing, and then they, huh. they, they get the picture. Okay, you're the dominant one, or it's a picture of your um, executing people. You've got your sword, and and they'll cut that. Yeah. Or, or for or for the king who lost, you know, that's pretty right, humiliating. Exactly. Right. You know? And, and, and I, think, I just want to hold the pose for you know, to me a couple of hours to have a sandwich. Or there you go. It's, not, it's about a while. That's right. That's right. Somebody paints this. <laughs> right. Yeah, I think more or less that that's the picture. Self-deprivation, though. Agreed. Agreed. Good. Yes, sir. So, um, I, I got the point you were trying to make. That's good. But how did you fit the psalm thing into your life and death theory? Psalm. Solomon. Solomon. Oh, well, I, I think that's, I think I get it. So, A, he's blessing people. So, in a sense, it's different because his, well, uh, Yeshua and um, yeah. And Paul are are kneeling; their, their hands aren't upraised. Mm -hmm. I think that's kind of actually a big. It looks subtle, but it's a big, big distinction because Shlomo is blessing the people with his arms upraised. He's and well, to, to me that kind of gives a distinction. But I mean, that's just this is my opinion. Right? I thought he was before the altar. He was he before was. the altar, but he stood up and he stood on the eight foot by eight foot thing that he made. And on that, he knelt down and lifted up his arm. And then the next verse says, and then he blessed the people. Right. So, but so you, that, you are right that notwithstanding, I mean, that's the only well, one out of the Tanakh. Right. He's he the only one. He stood and blessed, and blessed the no, people. No, 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 no. He stood and it got up from the altar and then knelt no, down. No, the next verse is, but he stood and blessed all is, the people. Which one is that? Is that for the Kings or Chronicles? First Kings. Okay, because read the parallel passage. I just I don't think he blessed the people whilst kneeling. Right, I was kind of confused, but this one says Solomon had made a bronze platform, yada yada yada, sat in the court and he stood on it. Then he knelt on his knees in the presence of all the assembly, spread out his hands toward heaven, and then and then he blesses them. So this one says excludes that and he stood up and said to the people. So you have inconsistency in the scriptures. Yeah, really. All I'm saying, all I'm saying is, 
That's the only example right. in the entire Tanakh yeah. where you got a guy who prays kneeling down. That's all I'm saying. What I am saying is all of the apostolic things, when they kneel, right. it's a life and death situation. I don't know about this one. Tossing out the Tanakh reference. I'm not tossing it out. What I'm saying is there's there seems to be some confusion about well, whether he prayed kneeling or whether he prayed standing. Because right. it says he's on his knees. So if you think about it, like, he's like this. Is different than like this. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's yeah. the way I picture that Yeshua and Paul, and Paul exactly. with the head to the ground. They don't see anybody. Whereas mm -hmm. yeah. this, is, on a this is a public type right. thing. Yeah. And I certainly think he knelt down, did something, and stood and prayed. But you know, like I said, it's you got your different different things. Now, right. when it says he blessed the people, it, it gives the blessing. I think. But you know, it was a it was a full fledged. It's interesting because he's not a Cohen. Well, well, yeah, I mean, but it gives the blessing. Yeah, but it gives that messianic. Yeah, but it gives a blessing in this case. Yeah. What, what it was. All right. So the the goal tonight was. I was just gonna. So while we were on the subject of, yes. of Solomon, I I had not read this before, but I think this is one of the coolest things. One of the things that he does pray is. May you hear the supplications of your servant and your people, Israel, when they pray towards this place. Here they pray towards earth. Hear from heaven your dwelling place, and when you hear, forgive. Yeah. It's pretty cool. That's why um, we, in, in the in the passage that we're reading we this week, Iraq. in this particular portion, he's making it clear, I'm going to designate a place. Now he's designated. And, and I believe in Psalms it talks about him resting his eye in the place always. And then we see Daniel seems to have the example as well, as far as like praying out the window or something. So Facing we, that way. It, it, there's not a real reason to make it as public. This is, I mean, unless he's just trying to, you know, incite problems. But I mean, he could be both. It could be both. Yeah. But but again, the implication is that he's also praying towards Jerusalem. Exactly. Although he's praying opposite us because he was in Bethlehem. Yeah. Well, so what was really weird when we were in the land. And we were uh, we were in the uh, the Canaret doing um, Tosh Leap for Rosh Hashanah's Battle School. Yeah. And then get ready to get ready to turn towards Jerusalem, and I'm thinking to myself, which way is east? And I realize I'm going. No, I got to be south. south. Yeah. Because I'm due That's north. Right. Of I was there praying the same thing, and you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking we should face the. This, this is just, I mean, the water's right. Let's face right. the water. <laughs> yeah, south. Yeah, uh, we. Uh, I was on the tour with uh, Daniel Lancaster. Yeah. And uh, you know, every time we get three o'clock or so, yeah. it's like, okay, who knows which way is Jerusalem? And you know, you know, nobody's moving because we're all schmoes and nobody has a clue, right? Because we're here taking the bus all over the place. And he says, whenever I ask that question, look for the mountains. So we look at the mountains, and he goes, okay, that's Moab over there. So yeah. now you know which way is which. So you just need to know today, are we north of Jerusalem or are we south of Jerusalem? Yeah, you got taught us the whole deal. So anyways, um, goal tonight was to get us to talk about how we're personally praying. And, and the thing I neglected to say is that uh, I've actually set an alarm on my computer now in my calendar uh, that tells me that it's 3 o'clock. And it says, make your prayers because... Uh, when we were in Israel, we, we only prayed Minka with the Foz folks. And when we were in Jerusalem, you had an opportunity, if you wanted to slept a couple of blocks, 
you could follow Daniel and, and his cohorts down to the wall and pray, which we did. Um, but he, he made it clear, we're praying Minka with you because it will be the toughest thing for you to pray when you get home. And he was right. It's been years and years since I went on that tour. And me praying Minka is, is an unbelievably rare thing unless it's on Shabbat. So now I've had the privilege of, you know, the thing pops up at 3 o'clock, beep, time to pray Minka, you know. Um, so I, I sent a little instant message to the texts that are off-site, you know, go to pray. Set my uh, appearance to unavailable. Then I go out here onto the porch again, and, you know, do my 15 minutes of Minka. Come in, you know, I'm back. And I get one Marine working for me, and he's constantly having me go to the bathroom. You know, he sends an instant message to everybody. He says, head call. <laughs> a few minutes later, back. Prayer call. Back. Yeah. So... At any rate, I, I hope this uh, helps answer some of those questions about should we be able to pray like the Christians do? Um, should we be bowing down and prostrating ourselves like the Muslims do? Or is it that the days are different for each faith? And in fact, the posture is different for each faith. And I think that we find that by and large, the scripture teaches us that standing to pray is God's Eucharist. This, this could be complete coincidence, but since Catholicism steals so much from Judaism anyway, it's it might not be a mistake that they have those little kneelers yeah. at Mass that you flip out and you, you go down, and it's usually not like very far right. down kneeling. You're it's kneeling so you kneel. very upright. upright and, yeah. yeah, some people do raise their hands and everything, so it's, it's interesting. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. All right, well, let's... Uh, Let's call it night so we can get some uh, conversation off the mic. Father, we thank you for the time. I thank you for these men, Father, uh, for our busy days and uh, the blessing of work that you give all of us. And I thank you for these men that have you know, demonstrated that even, even amidst a, a busy time, they're taking, they're taking time out before the day begins to, to pray to you, uh, to wrap themselves in tzitzit, to, to uh, uh, when, when time permits, to... to Don to fill in and, uh, and to be counted as some of those that would praise you with their lips and worship you openly. And I thank you for that, Father, that you've surrounded me with men who love you and are called according to your purpose. I pray a blessing on these men that uh, we would uh, approach the high holy days and the month of Elul as it comes up with gladness, with joy, and with anticipation that this would be the year that you send your son to reign among us. We thank you for it. Hashem Yeshua HaMashiach. Amenu. And all God's people say. Amen. 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 Start.